you're finding your seat, I'd encourage you to take out your uh, copy of Scripture. Um, we are in a series where we're walking through the 23rd Psalm, so you can open up to the uh, book of Psalms and uh, find the big 23, and uh, that's where we will be uh, this morning. Um, as you're turning there, um, uh, just... Um, Couple, couple of things I wanted to kind of kind of note. Uh, the first is, is uh, Pastor Jeff already uh, mentioned and, and kind of announced the uh, ministry summit. Um, uh, the reason we're, you're going to hear about that for the next two weeks uh, as well. Uh, the reason for that is this is going to be a really important night, um, just in the. Uh, uh, ministry year ahead. Um, we are uh, obviously coming out of a long season, long, <laughs> whatever you call it, a couple years of, of change and kind of navigating all of that. And, and um, as we head into this ministry fall, this is the first time in a couple years that we've been able to really uh, kind of plan out where we're going. And hopefully, you know, no uh, curveballs or changes or anything like that. It's like, this is, this is really refreshing and fun. Um, and in planning that, we really realized, man, it's been a while since we've just gathered all of the ministry teams together and been able to kind of get on the same page and, and just, you know, uh, be reminded of the mission and the vision that, that we are on together as a church and kind of where we're going. And so it's just going to be a really special night. We're going to worship. We're going to pray together. Um, but more, uh, um, uh, what we're really um, going to kind of lean into as well through that is just the opportunity to talk about um, where God uh, has us and, and where we're going. And um, just to kind of uh, look at some, um, uh, some important needs that are, that are before us, uh, also share some exciting opportunities. There's been some things kind of, you know, happening in the background and some exciting new ministry initiatives that we're going to be rolling out. And so um, basically, if this is your church home um, and you are serving anywhere, uh, we would uh, not just um, ask you to be here, we would like urge you. If I have any um, pastoral chips that I've uh, built up with you, if I could just cash those in right now, I'm just kind of like, I'm spending all of them and just say, can you come to that? Um, And then if you are not serving somewhere, but you'd like to be, and maybe um, this is sort of the nudge or the, um, the, the kind of uh, uh, trigger that you've been kind of waiting for, um, you are welcome to come as well, and we'll help get you connected. And so we're just going to be gathering together. That's why we're, we want to provide child care. Um, if you have elementary kids that would be better served by being with you, they're welcome to join us. We're not trying to um, put them away, although at the same time, if that's just kind of better for them when we want to kind of offer that. If that's really your heart, you want to serve the church by being with our kids, we are going to need some people to kind of be down there. And so um, yeah, you can... Um, you know, really be a huge blessing if, if that's kind of your, uh, your place that you want to serve on that night. But it's a couple weeks from now, the last Sunday of August, and um, hopefully you have it on your calendar. If you have plans already, um, if you can move those, move those. Please come. Is that clear? Is that clear enough? All right, so we really want to um, just kind of take that opportunity. And it's something that we're, we can't really do on a Sunday morning. And so it's just kind of a special, um, special opportunity. Part of it, too, is that we have a new um, worship director who's going to be beginning um, next week. will be the first Sunday um, for uh, Zach, our new worship director. Yeah, it's super exciting. The worship team is like clapping really loud. Like they're like, yes, finally. Um, uh, Yeah, so there's, um, you know, here's the thing. In in the last 10 plus months that we've been um, uh, worshiping together as a church, uh, we um, have not had somebody um, on staff kind of in that position. And so um, even this morning, uh, Dylan led, and some of you um, maybe recognize Dylan. He does other. He hasn't led in the, in like, 
you know, he does a fantastic job. I'm super thankful for him. And that's been the awesome thing is the way that um, the team has really kind of rallied together. But part of that is we've simplified some things and just tried to, so I'm really excited about having somebody to give some more energy and sort of dedication toward that. And, and it's a big part of who we are as a church. We want to worship and lift high the name of Jesus Christ each and every week as we gather. And so um, we are so excited just kind of for the new season with that. So you can be praying for um, Zach and Holly, um, their little girl Liliana. They're actually arriving this afternoon. And so uh, they're, they're moving in and they're going to be settling. If you come to the Ice Cream Social, a word on the street is they're going to try and come. So you'll be able to meet him uh, there as well. But then next Sunday, um, he'll be uh, leading us in worship and then starting in the office the week after that. And so um, we're just excited about some of the things that are happening um, around here and um, excited about the fall. I really, really am. It's um, just some, some, some cool things that are, are going on and um, the way that God is working. Well, in part of preparation for the fall, uh, we are spending um, an extended amount of time in Psalm 23. And um, hopefully, you know, by now you kind of get the flow of where we're going. We're going to spend um, uh, each week, we're going to look at kind of one verse. And um, it would might help you if you think of this less as an exegetical uh, uh, series. Certainly we're, you know, walking through scripture, but each week is sort of a little bit more kind of topical, right? We're kind of looking at the themes that are presented here. And so our hope is, is that we're, we're, we're in this psalm, we're calling it the Good Shepherd. If I was to subtitle it, it would be um, connecting with the heart of God um, because we're really trying to uh, be refreshed by the, um, the only means by which I think God has allowed and kind of created for us, and that is in a union, in an abiding relationship with him. And so we see this in kind of looking at him and remembering him and kind of knowing him as our shepherd is so, so good for our souls. We, we need this. And so rather than kind of doing a flyby sort of one or two week, we want to just sort of slow it way down and just kind of just think and meditate upon these, uh, these truths. And so this morning we're continuing on. We're in verse three. And it, it says that he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so we're calling, um, uh, I'm calling the, the, the sermon this morning, uh, Right Paths. Um, but uh, we're gonna see um, just the places we saw last week where he led us to the green pastures and the still waters this morning. His, his leadership in our life is leading us on these right paths. Um, and, and what does that mean for us? And how does this bring refreshment and restoration to our soul? And so um, if we could, before we go any further, let me just pray specifically uh, that God would just teach us and be um, uh, encouraging us as we uh, spend our time together uh, looking at these important words. Um, would you just pray with me? God, we uh, thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your heart as our shepherd and um, God as our, our savior and as our, our Lord. Um, God as our, our, our heavenly father. Um, you desire relationship with each and every one of us. And through your son, you made that possible. And so, God, we come to you this morning as shepherd. Would you help show us and remind us, Lord, uh, maybe teach us afresh about who you are and would we see your heart, your character um, in the words of um, this psalm, which is of you. God, these are your words. And so I pray that you would teach us. I pray that you would encourage us. Um, God, I pray that you would uh, strengthen your church, strengthen your people um, through, through uh, your word and the application of it. And so, God, we look to you now. We turn our attention to you. We, we long to hear from you. And so, Lord, speak, because we are listening. Uh, we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Let me just pray um, or kind of say this as a bit of a prayer over us. I want to kind of read the psalm as we've been doing each week, kind of looking at the whole psalm. It's not that long, so um, we'll put it on the screen. You can kind of follow along, but it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord uh, forever. My hope is this, that as we walk through this, that, that each, each phrase would, would kind of grow with, um, uh, with, 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 with just a swelling of understanding, um, that as we come across and we read that the Lord is my shepherd, that we have a better picture of what that is, that what does it mean to not want? What does it mean to lay down in green pastures or, or to be refreshed by still waters? What does it mean when there's restoration of my soul? And this morning, I want to kind of unpack these, these words here, that, that he leads me uh, in these paths of righteousness for his namesake. And if there's one phrase, one verse in this passage that is the most um, uh, kind of central or that if, if, if kind of everything uh, sort of points to, it would be these words right here, that he leads me in path of righteousness for his name's sake. And so um, what we're going to see is that as our shepherd, God is extending to us the righteousness of Christ for the glory of his name. Uh, that's ultimately what he's doing. He's, he's giving us the opportunity to share in his own righteousness, but ultimately for a purpose beyond ourselves, um, for, for his namesake, for, for his glory. And so what we want to do, if we're going to understand this, then I think there's two sort of fundamental truths that are, are so important that we walk away from uh, this morning, to understand the way that he leads us in paths of righteousness, and what does that mean that it's for his namesake. Here's the first truth. If you're taking notes, write this down is this, is that God's leadership in right paths and my self-leadership in right paths are not the same thing. Those are two different things. Now, I know there's different words, but I think sometimes we think that these are the same thing, that my self-leadership of my, my kind of choosing and finding and following um, the path that God has for me, and then his leadership in these right paths, uh, we, we sometimes make this, them synonymous, but they are not. Uh, let, me, let me explain what, 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 I, what I mean by that. First off, I think we have to understand what paths of righteousness are. The picture that the psalm sets out for us, right, is that of a shepherd. And so hopefully you're kind of in the field, you see the, the, the shepherd with his, his staff, and he's kind of leading the sheep, and they're, they're kind of following the different paths. These are paths of righteousness here. There's kind of two ideas contained in that. The first is, um, you, could, you could say, as we've said in the title, like, that right paths... Uh, it's, the, it's the correct paths. It's the paths that are going to take you where you need to go. And so, right, there's lots of places that you might be trying to go. We said that many of us are trying to find comfort right now. We're trying to find an encouragement. We're trying to find normalcy. We're trying to find purpose. We're trying to find security. Um, we're looking for all of these things. And the paths that we often take uh, don't always take us to where we're trying to go. Um, and, and so the, there's, there's an element where when he says the paths of righteousness, the right paths, they get us to the destination that we're trying to go. So you could set out going somewhere, right? And there's all sorts of roads and all sorts of turns and all sorts of directions that you could go, but there's uh, kind of certain paths or roads or whatever it is that's actually going to get you to your destination. So that's the first understanding, that the shepherd is leading in the correct paths, the right paths that are going to take the sheep where they need to go. The second component of that is this sort of moral uh, piece of it. It's, it's paths of righteousness. It's paths that are correct. It's the paths that we are created to be on. It's paths that are 
holy. It's paths that are upright. It's paths that uh, speak to and reflect the character and the nature, the holiness of God. And so these are not sinful paths. They're not um, evil paths. They're not paths that end in, in the destruction or kind of the, the pain of, of others or, or any of that. These are, these are paths that are wholesome and they are, they are upright and they are good. And he's leading us on these types of paths. The other thing that I think if we're going to understand this idea of God's leadership in right paths, it's the phrase where it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. This is the second time we see this word. In English, it's the same. If you look up just two lines, it says, he leads me beside still waters. And here, he leads me in paths of righteousness. In the Hebrew, those are actually not the same word. Uh, the word uh, that's used beside still waters communicates like a real gentleness and kind of a refreshing and a refillment. We said it's, it's really speaking to rest. When he leads me beside still waters, there's, a, there's a, a refreshing that happens kind of in that. This word that's used here for he leads me in paths of righteousness is a different word for leadership. This word is much more directive. It's much more um, uh, forceful is probably too strong, but it's, it's got some urgency to it. Right? There's, there's kind of a guiding. Like, like there's a difference between um, when I go to the park with my child and, and you know, we're checking it out for the first time and I'm kind of you know, walking around and sort of leading and letting them kind of explore versus like, like no, hey, I want to take you somewhere, right? And we're going to go over here and kind of grab their hand and kind of make sure they get to where they're going. Like there's a little bit more of kind of um, some urgency and some direction in this. And so it's not kind of casually kind of laying out like, well, you could do this if you want. The picture is that the shepherd, the good shepherd, the Lord is leading very directively, very specifically toward these paths of righteousness. And so this is the picture that we have of God's leadership in right paths. Now here's why um, it's important that we understand what I said is a fundamental truth, that God's leadership in right paths and my self-leadership in right paths are not the same thing. Here's the thing, I think that sometimes we forget that. We think that it is synonymous, that God's leading, my leading are kind of the same. And here's the problem if we forget it. I think there's three, three things that happen if I forget this. If I forget this, the first thing that happens is this. I'll overestimate my ability to stay on the right path. Let me say it again. I'll overestimate my ability to stay on the right path. I think that for many of us, we, we think that we have the capability to get to the place that we're trying to go, right? That I can do it. And if I just kind of, you know, don't lose focus and I understand kind of the stakes or I sort of know the rules of the game that I can get to where I'm trying to go. And that is the self-leadership of right paths in my life. Where do we get this from? Well, I think it has everything to do with the metaphor that God has chosen, right? So many times he refers to himself as he does here as the shepherd, right? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Uh, many times throughout the Old Testament, he says um, that he is the shepherd and his, the people are uh, the, the sheep, the flock. He refers to uh, the, the people as, as, as sheep. And, uh, you know, if you've spent any length of time in, in church, there's plenty of kind of fodder available for that, right? Sheep are, um, are, are interesting animals. I want you to do something for me. Okay, congregation participation at this point. I want you to think of one word that would describe a sheep. And on the count of three, everyone's going to stay there one word. You got a word? Describing sheep. Ready? One, two, three. That was not helpful. I didn't, hear, I didn't catch anyone. I, I, 
I, I, I'll tell you my word, uh, stupid, okay? Sheep are stupid. That's, that's kind of like the prevailing thing that I see. Some of you said stupid, some of you said dumb, some of you said other things. Now, I gotta be honest, part of me is like, when I was little, like if I said stupid, like I got in so much trouble. And here I am in church saying stupid. I'm saying sheep are, are stupid. But here's the thing, I don't know of a better word. And so sorry, mom, um, but this is, this is kind of what we see. And um, man, it is, sheep are not the smartest creatures in the world. Um, they are actually quite dumb and, and they don't... Um, they, they don't always get and understand, you know, kind of figure, figure things out. Uh, in our house, we are big fans of the uh, Mark Rober YouTube channel. Some of you um, also are fans of that. If you haven't, check it out. It's pretty fun. Um, in this, uh, Mark Rober sets up all these obstacle courses for the squirrels that are in his yard. And they figure this out and they get to the nuts. And it's incredible. Like, it's so amazing what these squirrels are doing. And they're, I'm like, man, I don't even know if I could figure that out, right? And they're, they're like, they're figuring out these things. Sheep, no way. Right? You set up an obstacle course, they're not getting to the end. Um, they can't even, they have a hard time following uh, the directive of the shepherd. And so there are so many examples that we can give, but um, I thought just to kind of drive the point home of how uh, foolish, stupid sheep can be, I have a few videos that, um, that I've picked out. And so let me show you these now. Here's the first one. Um, I don't know where this tire swing came from, <laughs> but this sheep has somehow <laughs> landed inside of it. Now, as much as I would like to think that he's just trying to swing, I don't think that's the goal. I think he's trying to get out. And it's just not working. So that's example number one, right? Gets inside the tire swing, can't even get out. I'm sure right after this, you know, the like, shepherd stopped filming and then helped get out of the tire swing. All right, here's example number two. This guy has fallen into some sort of irrigation ditch here. And here we go. Right back in. Oh, man. Now, this video cuts out here, but what happens right after is the shepherd just sort of like kind of walks away. He's just like, I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't help you if you're going to do that. And then this one, um, if you've seen one video of sheep, this one kind of went viral recently. So this, one, this one's probably the best, saving the best for last, right? First of all, I have no idea what that ditch is. That's a pretty intense little. <laughs> yes. And back to where he started. See, if there is one picture that probably represents our ability to end up back in the ditch that we find ourselves, I mean, how many times, right, is that like us? Is that me? Where, where God has come along and I've, I've gotten myself into some sort of ditch. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. I have no way out. And God in his loving kindness, he comes and he, he kind of pulls me out, gets me free, like kind of gets me to a place. And then I just go right back to it, right? How many times, how many times do we do that? And some of you know this. You can even think of this week maybe where you've done that exact same thing. You're like, how did I get back into this place that God just got me out of? And here's the reality is this, is we, like sheep, the, 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 the metaphor works both ways. Uh, God, as a shepherd, is a really good picture of, 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 of his heart toward us. Sheep is a really good picture of our hearts and kind of our foolishness uh, toward a lot of things. We are not always the brightest beings, right? We don't always make the right choices. 
And so if we forget that God's leadership and right paths and my self-leadership in right paths, if we forget that those are different things than what we do, the mistake we make is this. We overestimate our ability to stay on the right path. Scripture is full of example after example of when God's people have chosen to stray off the path that God has set. Do you recall when uh, they were freed from captivity and they began to, um, they were uh, in the wilderness and what did God do? He provided food for them. There was bread literally falling from the sky. They would wake up in the morning and there is like bread available to them on the ground. What do they say? Like, oh man, I wish there was more meat to go with this. Right, they're like, oh, we had a better in Egypt, right? So how quickly they, they kind of stray off that path. Uh, they get to um, this Mount Sinai where God is literally giving this law and his instruction toward, um, uh, toward his people and they are uh, gathering all the jewelry and, and literally making an idol that they are worshiping and bowing down to and how quickly they stray off the path. The book of Judges is like example after example after example of God's people. It says this, many times there's this cycle where, where uh, uh, it says that, that they chose what was right in their own eyes. God would raise up a leader for them, lead them back to the heart of God. They would get back on track, back on following, and then some time would pass, and they're right back at it. And it says, like right again, it says, and they did, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. They chose, and it's kind of the cycle that you see. And the reality is, this is the cycle that we have in our own life as well. We do not, left to our own, often stay on the right path for very long. It's a narrow path. It's a specific path. It's, it's, but it's one that we wander from. And it doesn't take much to get us to wander. Right? We are distracted. And so we need to remember that my self-leadership on the right paths is not the same as God's, and if I don't remember that, I think too highly of myself and my ability to stay on the right path. Here's the second thing that happens if we forget this truth. It's this, is that I'll underestimate the dangers of wandering off. The reality is this, I'm, I'm very, very guilty of this, is that I tend to minimize in my own mind the consequence and effect of not following the path that God has laid out for his people. You see, God in his word has given us a lot of directives. He's told us to do certain things. He's also told us to avoid certain things. There are do's and don'ts in the Bible. That's not all the Bible is. Let's be super clear about that, right? The Bible is mostly, like this word is mostly a picture of God's heart and character and, and it's a picture of who he is. It's his revelation of himself. But in revealing himself, he's, he cares about his people, he cares about his creation, and so he's, he's given us some paths to stay on. And there's some do's and there's some don'ts, and, and here's the reality, is that so many times we look at the do's and the don'ts that God has given us and we see them as optional. Well, I can follow that if I want to or when I feel like it. And the reality is this, is that they are always always there for our good and ultimately for his glory. We've said it many times before. It's not original to uh, me, but I'll say it again. Every time God in his word says don't, what he's really saying is don't hurt yourself. A lot of times we translate that to don't have any fun. Don't do it the way that you want. You know, don't, you know, I'm, I'm trying to take away or kind of kill, but, but really he's protecting us. So anytime the shepherd is looking at that sheep and saying, don't go that way, 
He knows what's over that way, right? It's another ditch. It's, 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 it's danger. There's a predator. There's, there's something that's waiting for you. And so when he's saying don't, he's trying to protect his flock. He's protecting his people. And what we do is we underestimate the danger of what wandering off means for us. And we wander in all sorts of ways, right? How do we wander? What does it look like to move off the, the right path? Well, I think sometimes it's, it's, uh, we wander in the, in, the, in the way of like an unchecked attitude. And that might be different for you. That's different for me. I mean, it might be an attitude of selfishness, like kind of what I want for me and what's, what's kind of good for me. It might be an attitude of pride. Those are sometimes linked together. Thinking of ourselves more than we ought. It might be an attitude of anger. Sometimes there's just unchecked anger and we're just frustrated and we take that out with people and we uh, don't always, we're not kind, we're not gracious or unforgiveness. See, there's all sorts of attitudes that can creep into our life and left unchecked, this is a wandering off of the path. God has called us toward certain attitudes, certain fruits of, of the spirit and he's trying to lead us in that way. And so many times we just kind of like, no, I'm, I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to kind of choose this way. Sometimes that's the way that we wander. Uh, there's certainly, I think, a general wandering uh, in our kind of culture, and it's gotten into the church, and, and, and many of us have probably struggled with this, but uh, there, there's, there's um, a lot that the Bible has to say in, in our sexuality and, 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 and in, in sex. And, and there's some 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 guidance and some directive that God has given. And he's laid out the marriage relationship and he's expressed what that is and that it's, it is between a man, it is between a woman, it's to be for life and, and there's, there's a place for that. And what our world would say is that uh, sex both doesn't matter and matters so much all at the same time. And, and it doesn't matter who, who you kind of are, are, are in relationship with and doing that with, but, but it also does matter if you're not and it's super important and it's like, the message is so mixed and yet God's word is so specific and what we do is we kind of muddle that all together and so we wander off and we're like, well, maybe it doesn't really matter and maybe I can kind of do this. I mean, I've seen it time and time again where godly men, godly women waiting, trying to live uprightly before the Lord choose to kind of forego God's plan and just kind of go it on their own and that never goes well. We underestimate the dangers of kind of doing that on our own. Sometimes that wandering off comes out in coarse joking, be it at the office or at the gym. Sometimes it's gossip at the coffee shop or even over text. At times, the way that we wander off is creating for ourselves other idols. Sometimes we take good things and make them ultimate things, right? We take good things and make them great things in our life. I mean, your kids, your your career, your uh, home, your, I mean, these aren't necessarily bad things, but if they get elevated to the place of God in your life, then they are now bad things. They're not helpful. They're not good for us. And so we wander all over the place. And here's the reality. All of these things, all of these things, left unchecked, left unbalanced, left undealt with, will wreck our souls. We underestimate the danger of what it means to wander off the right paths. And so like a loving, good shepherd, God is leading us on the paths of righteousness according to his plan, according to his direction, according to the things that are best for us. Part of the question is, do you believe? Do you believe that his way is best? 
Do you believe that he knows better for you than you know for you? Again, we said, God's leadership and the right paths and my self-leadership are not the same things. If you take it on, you're going to underestimate just how dangerous this is. Let me give you the third thing that's gonna happen. If you forget this, it's this, is that I'll grow weary and give up. If I think that it's all up to me and I think that it's all on my shoulders, then here's the reality is this, is that you're gonna run out of fuel. You're gonna run out of steam. And some of you have felt this. You've experienced this where you are trying to morally uh, be a good person, right? You're trying to achieve or to arrive at the place that you're, 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 you feel like God has, has called you to or that you need to be or whatever the motivation might be. And here's the reality is if it's just up to you, I don't think that you have what it takes to do it. In fact, I know that you don't. Nobody does. If it's up to me, I'm gonna fail. This is what the law throughout scripture showed. When God gave the law, he set out an instruction for his people. And then what followed was example after example after example of how the people were unable to keep the law until one person did. His name was Jesus. And according to the law, he lived perfectly in a way that had never been done before. And he showed what it looked like to live above reproach and and faultless before a holy and perfect God. And in every way, he kept everything that was required of him. And then he went to the cross and he gave up his own life. Why? Why did he do that? Well, because we as a people are unable to keep the law. He did what we cannot do. And scripture says that his righteousness is imputed. It's given to us as we believe in him. When we look to him and our our faith is put in him, then his righteousness is counted toward us and our shortcoming, our mistakes, our sin is forgiven through his perfect righteousness, his perfect living. See, this is the good news of the gospel, that his righteousness is counted toward us. And so yes, if you are trying to do it on your own, you're gonna grow weary, you're gonna grow discouraged, and then you're gonna walk away. Why do I want to spend, why why are we spending so much time on that this morning? It's a relatively simple truth. Well, as I said, we wanna walk slowly through this. And I think to understand this leading in paths of righteousness, there's a little bit of unwiring, rewiring that we need to do in our hearts. See, I'm worried that we are still holding on to some version of a works-based religion as we seek to follow Christ. I know for many of you, the reality is this, is that here in the Midwest, particularly here in Wisconsin, many of you grew up in a legalistic context. Maybe it was uh, the Catholic Church. I'm not kind of trying to you know, going to slam all Catholics. There's some good uh, Catholics and some good things, but, but many of you have shared with me and told me that there, there is some legalism, right, that has come in that. And I've seen that. And others of you are, have grown up in, in, in this particular context or this particular thing. And it's, it's legalistic and it has all of these do's and don'ts and regulation. Here's what it's missing though. It's missing the grace of God who provides the way that you can keep on that right path. See, so many times this works-based religion, it's up to you to follow and do all of the right things. And so I think we need to be returning to this and be reminded of this, is that God is not trying to lead us to this place, what I would call of, um, or in, you know, many have said before me, it's not original, but this moralistic, therapeutic deism, that there's this idea that there's this higher being and he has like some general kind of good things for me to do. And if I do those things, it's gonna result in just kind of some warm feelings and feeling better about myself, right? That is 
where we kind of wandering off the right path, right? That is where Christianity sometimes kind of gets watered down too. We have this misconception that God ultimately, his greatest purpose for my life is that he wants me to be good. He doesn't want me to be good. He wants me to be holy. And he knows that I have no ability in myself to do that and he's going to make me holy, right? And so I fear, I fear that we're trying to just be good. God didn't, we said it before, but God doesn't come to make uh, bad people good. He came to make dead people alive, I was cleaning up some stuff, kind of, we're, you know, continuing to kind of sort. Now we're in the sorting stage, like all the stuff that we moved that we're trying to kind of clean out and everything. And, and just, just yesterday, I was going through some of my daughter's um, papers and stuff from school and trying to kind of figure out what's, you know, what are we going to want 20 years from now? What, what do we keep? And, and um, man, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot that we've just kind of thrown in this, this bit. But I found this one thing from um, our, our youngest uh, daughter, um, and, uh, and she said, uh, or in there, I'm guessing it maybe was around the time of Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Uh, birthday or whatever, because there's a big heading, and it says, I have a dream, and it's dot, 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 and then they get to kind of fill it in. And her dream, um, it was this, is I have a dream to be a good person. Now, I'm not trying to like throw kind of ton of shade on her or anything like that. Okay, so um, don't don't hear that. Like she's seven years old. Okay, um, so um, I, and I don't know the context of it. I don't I don't know what like examples were given. Maybe the whole class like wrote something similar to that. But I got to tell you, um, like the pastor side of me um, and kind of the father heart of me like cringed when I read that. Now. Not, like, hear me, I didn't go and kind of like, you know, kind of correct her theology and kind of figure all this, hey, okay, sweetie, we got to sit down and kind of deal with this real quick and kind of, you know, I got I to gotta, I gotta kind of reroute this. But, but there's part of me that's like, oh my goodness. This is, right, the default position that we sometimes operate to. I have a dream that I want to be a good person. And my fear is that she's seven years old, but if that never gets rerouted and kind of reworked or, or never gets changed up, that she's still gonna be, she's gonna be 37 and she's gonna still be trying to be a good person. So many of us think this is the ultimate goal of what we are trying to do. We're trying to just be good. And the reality is this, is left to our own, we do not have the ability to just be good on our own. God is the only one who is good, he made good things, right? It's been broken, it's been marred by sin, and he has the ability to make them good again, but we need him to do that. And so my hope for her and for us is that we would not have some goal of being a good person, rather that we would see God's continual work and effort in our life to help transform us into that place of righteousness and holiness. See, the switch that we have to make is understand is that it's not an outside-in sort of thing. It's an inside-out sort of thing. Where does it begin? It begins with him saving, transforming, renewing, restoring. It says that when, he, when, when, when you are found in Christ, that he makes you righteous. And so you are already found in righteousness. Then it's this progressive act of sanctification where he is leading you on these paths of righteousness. And, and the reality is this, is that if he puts you on the path of righteousness, if you are truly his and he is truly yours and there is, there is a genuine transformation that's happened, that that can never be undone. You will not wander off that path. He will keep you in righteousness. Now at times it looks more and more or less like that, but ultimately he is guiding us and leading us toward that. So our participation in that is to listen for the leading voice 
of our good shepherd, God, where are you directing me toward today? What are you leading me away from? What are you leading me toward? What are the right paths that you have me on right now? God, help me in this way. See, this is the first truth that we have to understand, right? God's leadership in the right paths and my self-leadership are two very different things. Let me give you the second truth. You can write this down. It's this, is that God's glory and character are on display in his care for me. God's character and his glory are on display in his care for me. That is kind of the central thrust of where this verse is going. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? What's the motive? What's the result? Ultimately, it's this. It's for his name's sake. It's for his glory. It's all about his glory. What we see in his faithful provision and his faithful leadership and direction in my life is we get to see the Father heart of God. See, his character and his, his glory is tied up in the result of what happens here. You know, there's different kind of, uh, I would say, kind of breadcrumbs or kind of examples that we have throughout Scripture where we get to see little pieces or pictures of, of who he is. And one of those, uh, Jesus gives us through the story, and it's kind of, for many of us, a familiar story, uh, but I think it's so good to return to because it's a really unique picture that we don't get a whole lot of other places. And that is the story of the, uh, what we call the prodigal son, Right? Jesus tells the story of a home where a wealthy man had two sons and one of them was uh, the older brother, uh, was kind of this righteous, uh, kind of lived for dad and, and, and worked for dad and did everything right. And the younger son uh, kind of got a little bored and wanted his inheritance early. And so he cashed out and kind of headed out into the world and he sort of squandered everything. Uh, kind of took advantage of whatever life had to go, right? And he's, he's kind of going after that. And what happens is he ends up in the, like kind of the lowest place possible and remembers that his father uh, possibly, hopefully, would maybe take him back in as a servant. And so he wanders and kind of makes his way back to uh, his dad. And the picture that we have is this, is that the father was kind of looking to the horizon, sees his son, and it says that he, he ran to his prodigal son. Now, the main point of that passage is that it doesn't matter. We wander in all sorts of ways, right? Some of us are legalistic wanderers. We're like the older son, and we're trying to like, achieve our own thing and kind of do our own thing. Others of us are kind of rebellious wanderers, kind of going off on our own path, and we don't kind of care what God says, and we're going to do that. The, re the response, though, is the same. What we see in this picture, the story is this heart of God that cares and loves for his children like a father cares and loves for his children, God cares for you as his own son, as his own daughter. And the picture is one of running after, arms wide open, receiving back into the family. Puts on him a robe, puts on him a ring, and, and throws a party and celebrates that the, the son that was lost is now returned, and, and, and he is excited. There's care, there's concern. There's forgiveness. In all of this, you have to understand, why does God do this? Because his character and his glory are on display. This is who God is. God is love. God cares for his own. God cares for his creation. God cares for people. 
And so his namesake is, is shown in this. His reputation is on the line. That's why he said to his followers, he said, hey, they're gonna know you follow me because of the love that you display to others, right? They'll know you are Christians by love. They'll know that you follow me because of the same, if you show the same love that I've shown, then you will be, people will know that you are mine. You see, this is a great way for us to pray. This can inform the way that we pray. This is one of the ways that we can apply this truth is that we can begin to pray and kind of just think about this, that we would pray for God's, for the sake of your name. So as we're asking, God, would you heal? For the sake of your name, God, would you work in this? Uh, for the sake of your name, God, would you, uh, would you be present in this? Uh, for the sake of your name, God, would you uh, provide in this way? God, if you do this, you get more glory and your character is more seen. And sometimes that's our estimation of it. We don't always get it right, but I think it's a good thing to pray, right? It's a good thing to look for. It's a good thing to long for is that God's glory would be on display. And I believe this. I believe that God's glory can be seen in the healing I also believe that God's glory can be seen in the provision to carry through when the healing doesn't come this side of eternity. Right? God is present in those things. But if we're praying for his glory to be seen, then he has many ways at his disposal for his glory to be present in that. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Let's sort of Make sure we understand this, right? So this is where all of this is pointing. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because this is for his name's sake, right? He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me to the side still waters. He, he leads me to this place of rest and refreshment. Why? Because of his name's sake, for his reputation, for his glory. He restores my soul and he's leading me on these paths of righteousness. Why? Because his reputation is on the line. It's for his name's sake. I mean, think about it. Can we play the illustration out a little further? How good would a shepherd be? Or how, many, how much would you want to hire this shepherd if when arriving back at the fold at the end of the day, you look at the sheep and you see a group of sheep that are malnourished, that are a little worse for wear. They've encountered some sort of you know, treacherous path or, or some predator has kind of had their way with these sheep. And, and you kind of look and you're like, man, what kind of shepherd lets that happen to his sheep? See, I think the same thing is going on. God is, knows that the, that the world is watching and they're looking at the sheep and, and, and in his reputation. And God's a good shepherd. Our Lord is a good shepherd. He wants to have nourished sheep. He wants to have protected sheep. He wants to have fed sheep. And so what he's saying is, he says, hey, if you stay close to, to me, if you, if you follow my leading voice, if you, if you submit yourself to the direction and leadership for your life, I will refresh you. I will nourish you. I will lead you on these paths. And the watching world will be able to see that I am a good and righteous and great God. I am a good shepherd. And man, what an encouragement that is. Because it's not for us. It's not on us. Rather, it's on him. He's gonna do it so that he gets the glory. He gets the credit. He can see. So listen, church, I think we get to do this. We get to participate in what he's doing. Hopefully for some of you, you get to sort of step off the hamster wheel that you've been running on and trying to achieve it on your own right? You trying to kind of seek out those paths of righteousness. Rather, would we look for, hear for, 
listen for his voice in that. It says that his word is a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. He's leading us in those righteous paths. If we are listening, we will hear the good shepherd's voice and ultimately it's gonna result in more glory, more credit given to him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your tender, loving heart toward us as your sheep. God, it doesn't always feel good to be compared to such a, uh, a foolish animal. Uh, but Lord, if we're honest, we know that many times that is um, a good picture of the choices that we make, the, the places that we go, God, the things that we do. Lord, we need you. We need your shepherding leadership in our life. God, we need your direction. God, we need your correction. God, we need your, repro your reproof. God, would you reorient our hearts this morning? Would you remind us of, of your loving care? God, that you have, uh, are not only working, um, God, this isn't uh, something that, um, that is up to us, God, but, but rather it begins with a changed and transformed heart. God, renewed and restored by the blood of your Savior. God, you've placed us on that righteous path and it's your voice which is leading us on it to stay. And so God, help us. Help us to listen. God, help us to not be distracted by all the other voices. God, all the other things that are speaking Lord, we long to hear and to follow you. And so I pray that you would help us to do that. God, I pray in doing so that we would uh, give you more and more praise. God, you're worthy of it. And so God, we acknowledge our need for you. We look to you and we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus, our good shepherd. Amen.